Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. There are a lot of things that I know I wanted, but uh, one thing that is near the top of that list that I didn't know about till last night was Steve Eisenman and Alex Ovechkin partying together. Alex couldn't keep up with them. <laughs> Are you sure? Buddy, Eisenman lived through the 80s. Ovechkin doesn't know what he's in for. That is probably the most emotion or like the most uh, public. Uh, I don't want to. I don't know. How, I don't, he, not that Eisenman has no personality, but he's pretty guarded. But that's the most public display of personality we've seen from him was that video of him congr- congratulating Ovi for passing him on the all-time goals list. For him to say, when you pass, if you pass Gretz, I want to party with you. And my eyes just went, oh, can we buy tickets for that? Can we put it on pay-per-view? Uh, now, before the theories start hitting Reddit and Twitter, I'll just go ahead and get one of the stupid ones out of the way. Is he saying that because Eiserman is going to have Ovechkin break that record as a Red Wing? Dun-dun. Has anyone actually said that? No, of course not. Oh, okay. Because that would be... Insanely stupid, yes. Phenomenally stupid. But I know how things like this, the how the rabbit hole works on the internet. Wait, Eisenman's talking about Ovechkin? What if? Because basically anything happens and it's a trade rumor. Athens is back on the ice today, just skating. He's, so the trade rumors have already inflated. Well, he's skating with uh, Larkin and Bertuzzi, right? I think that's what I saw. And so, yeah, of course. They're, so all three uh, of them are being traded. As one package for Kale McCarr. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is a, a first. This is an awkward episode of the Winged Wheel podcast physically. Um, partially because I've discovered that you wear no pants as we record. It's been five years you're just noticing. Yeah, I, I actually don't pay a lot of attention to you. Okay. Now that you mentioned that. I'm going to mention this right now, too, because we miss it every damn year. What is our what is the podcast birthday? Because I know it's February. Oh, and it's coming up. It's coming it's up. It's very soon. It's very soon. It'll be five years. Yeah. I've. We always forget it. We, we miss always it forget every it. single year. We yeah. have missed it. Yeah. We started talking uh, in the group chat of some things that we could do to celebrate it because five years is a big one. No, but this is a physically awkward episode because Evan couldn't make it last minute. And uh, for the first time, we have a full size real table. If you guys haven't seen it, please, 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 please go on YouTube and just check out this custom podcast table that RD Woodworking uh, made for us. Um, and Brad, you and I are at opposite ends of it, and I actually feel like we're in separate rooms. Yeah. <laughs> Do you uh, want me to reuse the joke I said before the podcast? If you could, yeah. That'd be great. Okay. Uh, yeah. Right now, there's a bigger gap between me and you than there is between the Red Wings and a playoff spot. <laughs> And that was a good. I, I usually am a, pro, a proponent for not redoing jokes that we do off air, on air, just because we can't get the genuine reaction. But I like that one from you. Uh, lots of hockey news to talk about. Funny enough, because the Red Wings still haven't played a game. Yeah, it's been the most stress free week of my life. Um, and I played a hockey game with nothing but university students. So did they kick you? Like, did they kick the shit out of you? They try so much harder than beer leaguers. Yes, they do. Like it was fine. The skill level was fine. But my God, could. Those kids needed to chill. It's university, man. It's undergrad. They need to get it out of their system. I thought they smoked weed, not steroids. Well. Some of them are probably on both, honestly. uh, I'm a Waterloo grad. 
we had our own uh, steroid thing with the uh, football program not too long ago. Yeah. Is it like the Russian gas? <laughs> what? Jeez, you got to listen to at least one Chicklets episode, dude. Oh, yeah. Well, that's on me. <laughs> Welcome to the Wing Wheel Podcast. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. And on the docket today, we have a ton to talk about. Uh, Seattle, the Kraken. Release them. Um, we'll chat a little bit about the Red Wings trade deadline. We're not quite at the primer stage yet, but we're, we'll start talking a little bit more about them. Uh, draft lists were released, Bob McKenzie's and Corey Promins, which have caused a little bit of a stir within, uh, hockey prospect, uh, circles. Um, seems to happen every year. And, uh, the Battle of Alberta. And even deeper into that, Zach Cassian and his brand new contract from a familiar face, which is Ken Holland. So we'll, I'm sure have some opinions on that before we head over to overtime. How, how are we possibly going to have an opinion about a depth grinder who's playing above his role with an insanely skilled top five player in the world just got handed a decently long-term extension? How do we have any opinion on that? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's contrived. So, it's foreign to us. This is new. We'll We'll work our way through it, I guess. <laughs> uh, for some levity. Brad, uh, click the button on that uh, jewel bobblehead in front of you. Bingo, bango. That's the Ken and Mick talking bobblehead, courtesy of show sponsor Everett, uh, born to Dan Hart on Twitter. Uh, Everett, this was his Christmas gift to us, so thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for sending that to us. That's going to be a feature. Uh, we have a few things that we're slowly going to start displaying around the room. We have that. We have uh, Don sent us that uh, carved Gordie Howe um, signature in the background. Uh, Simon Anderson sent us the Russian nest, Russian five nesting dolls that you can kind of see behind Brad. And then eventually up over here, we're going to have uh, jerseys once we figure out the hanging them on this slanted wall business. Is that even in camera? Uh, no, but it can be. We just haven't done it quite yet. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. Uh, but yeah, that's a perk of uh, of uh, checking us out on YouTube if you prefer to watch the podcast. Not saying you have to, although you guys made the last episode the most viewed episode ever, and I think it was just to see the table because the average watch time was way down. But like, I'm really happy you guys saw the table. Uh, okay, Seattle. We're going to start with Seattle because I think it's the most fun topic to talk about. A report came out that said uh, the Seattle Kraken was going to be the most likely name chosen for the new Seattle NHL franchise, which is news because apparently that was ruled out um, way back and it was supposed to be most likely the Seattle Sockeye. Now, a couple people broke this. I read it on uh, Russian Machine Never Breaks. That's where I saw it, but I didn't actually dive into how they got the scoop. Did you see why they're not doing the Sockeyes, presumably, anymore? I'm not sure that they're not, and we'll get to that, but why? There is a trademark, a, an existing active trademark that exists for a series of uh, <laughs> hockey erotica novels in which the team is called, the team and the novels are called the Seattle Sockeyes. So that can't be real. So piecing all of this together, is this reality? No, nothing's confirmed yet. But we are maybe living in a world where the Seattle franchise was going in a few different directions. And then, no, they've been using these teal and, you know, 
light red or pink even colors and so you're like ooh, is this the the seattle sockeyes color and uh, it, the sockeye seems to be the most likely name chosen and people are finding the shape of the sockeye fish and random little word marks that the seattle nhl franchise is using and we all assume this is what it's going to be it's kind of the most run-of-the-mill down the middle name they could pick and then someone points out the fact that there's an active protected trademark or copyright whichever i don't know i'm not a lawyer shut up um for seattle sockeyes because of a hockey erotical novel that is that is just that's perfect that is pure 2020 chaos nhl yeah welcome to the year 2020 where the nhl nhl teams are losing names because of hockey erotica basketball legends are dying a new plague is coming about every celebrity has lyme disease coronavirus paired with lyme disease jokes are everywhere and somehow we still exist yeah the fact that we're making it through this is kind of astonishing remember 2019 how awful that was i miss it it all started with harambe it really does (laughs) anyways the kraken is easily the best name they could have chosen i think a lot of people agree about that there's some people who are like it's too ridiculous and to them i say we had a uh, an old man choose the name Golden Knights because uh, that's what sounds cool to a four-year-old. So if go- the Golden Knights can exist and be a team, then the Seattle Kraken can exist. Now, as Red Wings fans, this actually pertains to us because... No, it doesn't. This is the dumbest argument I've seen on the internet all day. The Kraken is a giant mythical cephalopod-like creature almost like an octopus maybe even a squid that kind of thing it takes many forms i heard squid was the most common for a kraken it was yeah it is the most common they can't they can do a lot of things they can use it as their logo i don't care the red wings have not made ali octopus their official mascot and so they don't get to you know the organization doesn't get to lay any claim to that and i i maintain that they should make out the octopus the official mascot um but if it do, if it is the Kraken, those fans cannot go on there or go into that arena and start tossing octopi on the ice as their tradition, right? Like uh, that is that they can't do that, but they absolutely can use another cephalopod, a squid. Who cares? It doesn't even matter. Why is it you can't have multiple animals of the same thing? Oh, geez, someone needs to tell the Cardinals and the Blue Jays and the Orioles. Like this is dumb. It doesn't matter. Who cares? It makes the game between Seattle and Detroit a little more fun. I'm down for cephalopod bull. Yeah, absolutely. We'll find out who has more tentacles. Uh, That's strange. Also, I got uh, corrected. Well, if we're going, if we're talking about Seattle erotica hockey novels. (laughs) Strange is the business that we're in. I got corrected uh, the last time I used the plural of octopus. Okay, so there's a few actual definitions that are all accepted. Octopodes is one. Octopi and octopuses are all... Octipodes? Octopodes, yeah. Octopodes? Yeah. And we got to make that one the regular one now. Uh, I think there was an effort a while back, and then the nerds got angry. So I'm just going to stick with octopi. It's the one people go with the most. So if you get mad at me for that, yeah, all right. The Seattle Kraken would be... It would be the most fun thing that the NHL has done in a long time. So... Here's why I'm okay with it. We talk about a sport where we got 
knives on people's feet, running around whacking a thing with some sticks for the entertainment of people. It's fun. Hockey's meant to be fun. Kraken is fun. Naming a team after a mythical creature is fun. The logo possibilities for this are fun. Yeah. Stop taking hockey so seriously, people. Oh, that's not a real name. That's dumb. I don't like it. Okay, well, we cheer for a team that has a wing coming out of the middle of a wheel. That doesn't make any damned sense when you want to break it down. So who cares? It's fun. As long as the colors are green and blue and green is a primary and they've got, I don't care if the entire sleeve is just like a painted tentacle. I'm okay with it. That's badass. They raise their arms to celebrate and there's a tentacle going all the way up. Hell yeah. Like the lightning back in the day. I'm here for it. Yeah, Let's yeah. go. If they go with the Kraken. Let's get weird. Let, like if they go with the Kraken, we will legitimately give away the jersey of whatever Red Wing gets selected that goes to Seattle. Who did it? Uh, who did it? Do Hatchick did uh, his first? It was Adam Ernie. It was Adam Ernie. Okay, mocked. so we're buying an Adam Ernie uh, <laughs> Kraken jersey. <laughs> Might be the first people to buy an Adam Ernie jersey. Honestly. Yeah. Sorry, Adam Ernie. Yeah. Um, also, with that uh, f- that mock expansion draft, people were like, eh, this isn't realistic. They qualified that in the article. They said it's so soon to be doing this, but you guys keep asking for it. We have two trade deadlines and one whole offseason before that expansion draft exactly. happens. Free- <laughs> one Tory Krug signing changes an entire team's list. Yes. So um, with that, the, this name report is legitimately the only solid thing we know about the Seattle franchise yet. And it's not even, it's not that solid. <laughs> it's not even confirmed. No, I, because the, cause the, the, I think it was the actual NHL and Seattle Twitter account went out and put this big long post about these fishy rumors aren't true. And then mentioned like the green state of Washington. So they Seattle were dropping some yeah. pretty damned heavy hints there that it ain't the Kraken. Well, no, they were Everything saying we're they exploring were, all of our opportunities. Yeah, but they were dropping hints that the jerseys are going to be green and it's going to be named the Sockeye. Okay, but think the, of it. Okay, did you say these fishy rumors or however they worded it? Because they definitely use the word fishy. Yeah, but they, these fishy rumors, I think they meant that was the reference to the Kraken. And then everything else was a reference to like the Timbers, the... Yeah, uh, no, I get it. The Emerald. Yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I get it. But obviously they're having fun with it. And nothing is set in stone. Seattle Emeralds would be like, that's the kind of name where it's like, yeah, all right. It's not bad, but it's like, you're going to forget. Like it's so it's forgettable. But the only thing I appreciate about the Emeralds is I know that those would probably be some badass jerseys. They would two-tone green jerseys. Hell yeah. Something that Dallas can't seems to like want to get away from. I posted that because uh, the, the Dallas went to their winter classic jerseys again for their game against Toronto, the STD jerseys. Yeah. I can't get that out of my head. I don't broken. see it. I really like, I know what you mean, but when I look at it, that's not what pops out. I know, but I can't, once you see it, you can't unsee it. I said, I was like, I wish Dallas would go to these uniforms for their full-time jerseys. I love like the throwback, like cream off white look too. And everyone was like, no, like the OG out Dallas days, those days. I'm like, yeah, obviously yeah. everyone would love both. No, that's the correct answer. But those aren't coming back. They should. They should. Dude, look at all the pure 90s BS going around the NHL right now. The Arizona Kachinas, the Canuck Blacks, the Blues Diagonal Chaos, whatever you want to call it. Teams are embracing it, Ryan. There's hope. Blues, if you count third jerseys and fourth jerseys, I guess, the Blues have the best jersey set in the league. Yes. Both of their alternate uniforms are, like, amazing. Regardless, I'm down. If if Seattle picks the Kraken and they they make it a squid instead of an octopus and intentionally drum up this whole cephalopod bull 
rivalry, it will be the coolest thing that the NHL has ever done, and I stand by that. And if they don't do it, they're dead to me, and I'm immediately rooting against them. So, Well, the Red Wings currently hold the record for handing the most NHL teams their first loss as a franchise. We could expand this. They could expand the lead. They absolutely could. I don't think Detroit's lost in Vegas yet either, have they? Uh, did they? When I, was- I think they won both. I don't think they've played there yet this year. Yeah, you know, I, I could look this up right now, but I'm going to move us along. I'm sure we'll be corrected if we were wrong. So moving on from Seattle, let's go over to Detroit, where still have not played a game at the time of recording, possibly by the time you listen. Their first game is on Friday against New York, and then on Saturday, again, against New York. They have a home and home. Man, Which New York, Ryan. The Rangers, sorry. I usually, I kind of refer to the Islanders as Long Island, or the former home of John Tavares, if I'm feeling like a jerk that day. Um Today, I or today, the last week, I've been thinking, man, I miss hockey. I miss Red Wings hockey. I don't. And that's how you know the season hasn't completely crushed my spirit. It definitely has crushed yours. No, season. mine's dead. I can't <laughs> take this garbage hockey anymore. Yours is flattened. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Is it that or is it your uh, ever-decreasing amount of sleep that you get at home? It can be both. <laughs> <laughs> How's uh, little Hank doing? He's big. Yeah, he's a big boy, eh? He's so big. Hey, rest in peace, your grocery bill. Oh, buddy. I don't even know what I'm going to do anymore. How much does he weigh? He's almost 15 pounds. And he's how old? Not even three months. Not even three months. He's 15 pounds? He was oh. born at 7'12", I think. He's he's like almost doubled in weight already. Good man. Gotta <laughs> love it. Bulking up. His draft year, he's going to be huge. Which was 2038. You're going to have a son who's like 6'2", which is like, what, a foot and a half taller than you? About that, yeah. Um, no, the Red Wings hockey comes back on Friday, which I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for. I'm sure after one period of hockey, I'll be regretting it. No, notably, uh, Andreas Athanasiu, like we mentioned, it is uh, skating again in practice, which is good. Um, he is going to be the target of a lot of speculative talk including from us, articles and everything else, because he's probably the only prime piece that the Red Wings have that is likely or at least plausible to be moved if there is a big deal to be had by Eisman and the Red Wings of the trade deadline. A few fits for Athanasiu, Pittsburgh, looking for a winger to play with their superstars. Um, there was an article coming out about, uh, or the, there's an article that came out of The Athletic about Rutherford, pretty much coming out and saying like i am down to make a deal i'm ready to make a deal i want to make a run at this what do they even have to offer anymore first round picks right because okay so when Custon says yeah, would you want pittsburgh's first round pick yes, for us in this you? in this draft because we're going to talk about the draft let's no we will i still don't think i love picks 25 through 31 enough to trade athens you for it you don't love them based on rankings but based on how the draft's no, going to no, shake no, no. out I, I know who they are ryan <laughs> Do you think I've been in my downtime when I'm reading on hockey? I've been reading more about the Red Wings. No, I'm trying to make thing, read things that are making me happy, which is things the Red Wings could have. So you wouldn't take, let's say Pittsburgh comes close to winning. They draft 27th. You wouldn't take that pick? No, I would not. Sad. I wouldn't. How? Look at previous drafts. How many impact players you get in the 20s in the draft? It is a far lower number than you would think. Would you take Erasmus Sandin? For straight up for Athens to Yeah. Yeah, he's the exception to the rule, not the norm. Would you take Joe Valeno? Yeah, but again, exception to the rule, not the norm. Look at the rest of the 20 through 30 in that draft. 
Half of them look like they're going to like would be worth it. Half. And that's a good that's a really good draft. I don't know, man. Like imagine picking up. I think you got to take that chance because what's Athanasiu's long-term future with this organization? He's a 30-goal scorer who this year is snake-bitten. Do you Is he a 30-goal scorer? Maybe not. Literally is. Could he be a Okay, is he a perennial 30-goal scorer? Definitely not right now. Could he be? Yeah. Could he be a, a useful top 6 if not top line player for another 7 to 8 years? Yeah. Uh Craig Custins in his really fun article where he took pretty much he had Twitter give him who says no trades. That's the ballsiest article ever written, and I respect it. I loved it. I thought I had a blast reading that. And he asked a bunch of execs, obviously all anonymous, who if they would take the deal, uh, if they were the GM of either team. Some of the execs might have even been the GMs. It's hard to know. Um, and there was one, and it was uh, tweeted by. Um, listener and someone we engage with a lot on twitter eisman season and he did it halfway to troll montreal fans which was funny and it was mantha for a first in romanov um and which sorely pissed off montreal fans and then like i i don't think that montreal would take that deal i don't think they should i think no, that's, that's, that's a potential lottery pick of course they wouldn't yeah that's a lot to give up for mantha but then again i saw the reactions to that and everyone was like mantha's not worth a first on his own i went well <laughs> Are you high? Um, and then there was another one where they talked about Athanasiu and the uh, it was like this big dramatic like Larkin and Athanasiu to Colorado for Makar. Oh, I but, saw that. Yeah, one. and uh, the exec no Makar wasn't included. That it was Byram, wasn't? it? Oh, it was Byram. Yeah, you're right. And the exec said he's like, I think Athanasiu is worth a first on his own. So you have hockey hockey people out there who think. That Athanasiu has that value. So despite an offseason, I think the guy still carries a ton of value. I think we are just in the weeds on him. And so we as as Red Wings fans tend to underrate him a little bit. So that, that's good news if there ever is going to be an offer. Do you think Eisman says no to a pick 25, 20 to 30 for Athanasiu? I legitimately don't know. I I do not know. There is a deal that can be worked with Pittsburgh, but I think it would be bigger than just the first for Athanasiu because Pittsburgh likely wants some depth on the blue line too, so I wouldn't. I could take Athanasiu and Daly. I Daly, he worked well for them. I could see them fishing for Mike Green. They're trying to unload Galchenyuk in his contract. I think I could I could see something working there. Um, I don't think Athanasiu straight up for their pick gets it done, but I I think that's close, very very close. I love the idea of the Red Wings picking up a bad contract right now. Not one with too much term, but they can honestly pick one up with like two years left, I think. I like oh, this season and another. I loved love I I ever since someone brought it up to me, I am in love with the idea of Detroit bringing on Louis Erickson's contract in an effort to get Demko. Mm-hmm. That's I, great. Like I'm mm, yes. Yes, please, yes. Cuz they are they have a ton of cap space right now. Well, right now, but they have a ton of cap space coming off the book soon, like an insane amount. They have 10 million right now based on cap friendly. Like right now. And then we're losing Erickson, Daly, Green. Uh, who else in the offseason? Obviously, Mantha, Athanasiu, Bertuzzi getting raises. So that's going to put a dent into it. But Viega, Perlini might be gone. Christopher N might be gone. Yeah. Fabry will get a raise and they'll keep him long term, I think. Yeah, and it's but he's not going to get much of a raise. Do you pay Fabry more than three and a half million at most right now? No, of course not. I'd be surprised if he gets that much. Yeah, Although, exactly. You never know how the last third of the season is going to go. 
I th- I Based think- on the first two thirds of the Red Wings season, I'm going to say not great, Bob. So uh, the question comes up quite a bit, but I saw a Reddit post where someone said, is Mantha um, untouchable? And here's the answer to this. Nobody on the Red Wings is untouchable, Larkin included. There is a deal that could be had for everyone. There's no Connor McDavid on this team. There's no Sidney Crosby on this team. There's no Nathan McKinnon on this team that, that doesn't exist. But there is a tier that I would say um, not untouchable, but it would take a huge overpay or like a massive haul to trade them. And I think that list includes Larkin, it includes Mantha, it includes Cider and Valeno and even Heronic. Or it's not uh, Valeno, um, uh, Zadina. Yeah. Cider, Zadina and Heronic. Those are the guys that exist in that tier, but even they aren't unmovable. There's deals to be had for everyone. The most untouchable piece in the entire Detroit Red Wings organization right now is a number. What? Whatever number is going into that lottery ball machine. Oh, yeah. like That's that. the most untouchable asset in the entire Detroit Red Wings organization. Yes. And that is still touchable depending on where it lands. Yeah. Like this year's first like, round pick is is easily more untouchable than Larkin. Yeah. This is the draft legitimately where if the Red Wings pick fourth. And there's a team at seven that comes a knock, and this is the draft to listen. Oh, I mean, yeah, if you can get Lucas Raymond at sixth or seventh, depending on who. Marco Rossi, yeah. uh, Jamie Drysdale, I don't care. Like, you're going to get a, a legitimate top five quality player at pick seven, eight, maybe even nine in this draft. So, yeah, if Detroit's lottery luck doesn't come to fruition and they end up picking fourth, yeah, by all means, it's movable now. Not very movable like it's going to move very little but you could do it the only way the red wings have a single untouchable asset in this organization is if that lottery ball lands on one Uh uh-huh yep that's That's the only way it's untouchable if it's number two i'd still consider it that's it uh the the red wings likely are going to go through this deadline and be up like a fourth round pick and a six or something that's just that much you think that's the way it's going to shake out and that's fine like it's just the way it's happened depending on and maybe a dead contract in a second (laughs) Wait, that would be I would be thrilled with that. We'd make an emergency episode for that. That's how big that would Looking be. Looking around the league, though, there's not a lot of great deadline candidates for that. No, the deadline's in a downswing right now. I really think this is a year where if anything big happens, it'll be a surprise. Hall got traded early, and so uh, you have to kind of consider what's even out there for other teams, let alone the Red Wings. So the Rangers might ruin everything. Like Kreider's the only fun rental floating around, and there's talks they might extend him. I know. Yeah, it's hard. Uh, speaking of the Rangers, the Red Wings have them twice, like I mentioned, and those are the only two games before uh, we talk again next episode, which will be Sunday morning, because we're not going to A, record, or B, ask you to listen during Super Bowl Sunday evening. So we'll have that done for you in the morning. Uh, I'm going to ask you to listen, you ungrateful bastards. Halftime's a thing. Nobody wants to listen to Jennifer Lopez and Shakira. Is she? Or is that the halftime show? I think so. Okay, that's Shakira Erasure, and I'm not really here for that, but regardless. Um, all right, speaking of draft lists, we mentioned them quite a bit. Listen, Ryan. Yes. I will fight you whenever, wherever. <laughs> Brad, what are you truly? As a person and as a uh, an entity in this universe, what are you? Um, I am the physical embodiment of the, the noise people make when they groan. (laughs) You're the physical embodiment of the noise I make when I groan. I'm the physical embodiment of just the sound. (sighs) You know what? Mel says that about me all the time. (laughs) Oh no. Are we similar? No, this is my, this is my nightmare. 
Oh, uh, I have to apologize. Last episode, we were so excited about setting up this table. Um, I actually mapped Evan's mic wrong. And so for those of you who were like, he sounds like he's shouting from across the room. He, Yeah, he literally was. He basically was. Yeah. I tried to clean it up as much as I could in post, but uh, not a, an audio engineer. And we want to just get the episode up. So apologies to you guys, but not to Evan. Um, also, Twitter, uh, Twitter user Kara was like... Um, why don't you let him sit on a couch from across the room? And I was like, God damn it. Stop that. He'll actually think he can do it. There's an armchair over there. And I'm surprised he hasn't asked the, the cable, the mics for the cable, the, the cables for the mics will easily reach a hundred percent, but they I don't definitely know. could reach. Give us a Ken and Mick bobblehead noise. Here we go. That's a fun one. That's not bad. Wasn't very relevant, though. Thanks for nothing, Ken and Mick. Uh, All right. We're going to get over some draft lists. So two draft lists dropped, and they are probably two of the most read from across hockey fandom and across the league, and that is Corey Primans and Bob McKenzie's. Now, these are two different styles of lists because what Bob McKenzie does, Bob McKenzie is the most connected person in hockey, and what he does is talk to scouts uh, from across the league and basically – he doesn't give them uh, give you his rankings. He gives you the rankings based on what scouts from across the league said. So it's more of a pulse on the league. And Corey Pronman gives, um, who we've had on the show before, he gives his rankings. So um, very interesting rankings. We'll start with Bob McKenzie's. Yeah. And this is the one that, okay, let's remind everybody, as Bob does so often because people lose it. These are not Bob's rankings himself. He doesn't watch tape come up with his own opinions what bob mckenzie does is he surveys 10 nhl scouts from 10 different organizations anonymously of course and asks them to submit their rankings one through 60 or whatever it is and then he averages all the numbers out where everybody falls and then puts this list together so this is a list that's very similar to how a lot of nhl boards look you just did uh you pulled a ryan just now What's that? You were too busy reading the thing that we were about to talk about, and then you repeated something that uh, the person across from you said. Oh, yeah. yeah. I do that to you all the time. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, I was literally reading the list as you were talking. I wasn't paying any attention <laughs> I to you I just let all. you do it. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. He's, he's doing this. But people yell and scream and all the time. Bob, what do you think of this guy? Bob doesn't have an opinion about that guy. Alexi Lafreniere solidified on everyone in the world's list as number one. Now, did you read the massive amount of paragraph before the list actually got in the Bob McKenzie? Not yet. Because this part was interesting. Go for it. So, at the beginning, Bob asked um, the scouts that he surveyed to rank Lafreniere's hold on number one in categories. One, in a class all by himself. Two, a clear or notable gap between him and the rest of the field. A marginal gap or four, no real gap. Most of the scouts at the beginning of the season fell into three and four. Like, it's not that big a gap. Seven of the ten bumped him up into the, you know, a clear or notable gap or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. Byfield stock has fallen a little bit. Lafreniere's has gone up a little bit. Quentin Byfield is still ranked number two on this list, but he did mention that Byfield could be slipping. Could be. Uh, Stutzla is getting hot. A couple other guys behind him are starting to gain some traction. There's been Byfield's poor top prospects game, his poor world juniors. And there was another, I hate when I don't save stuff and I know it's going to be relevant later. 
Uh, someone out there was pointing out too, they did a statistical breakdown of like Byfield's performances this year, and he has compiled a lot of points against a lot of really bad teams. So his big performances are never, not never, but they rarely come against the top teams in the OHL. He's putting up four or five point games against a lot of bottom feeders. And someone's like, I'm not saying this should downgrade him, but you know, maybe we should pay attention to it. He's got the late, or he's a year older, right? Quentin Byfield? He's a year younger. Year younger, that's right. right. He's He's like a July or August birthday. So he's literally just old enough for this draft. So So that's what quells a lot of my fears. Yeah, Yeah. that's a big tick in his favor. Uh, Quentin Byfield has so many of the actual raw tools that you like to see in a prospect. And he has the size and he plays center where you're like, you have to turn out well, right? Like if you are performing at this level, it's such a good indicator because you're not, he's not really doing much wrong. If that's the biggest knock we can find against him, which is he compiles a lot of points as a very young prospect against bad teams. And like, that's kind of, that's kind of worthy of number two right now. Number three is someone, but I want to get to one more point about Byfield before we go on to, he's a very risky pick without being risky at all. If, if that makes sense, because we don't know if his ceiling will be worthy of a number two pick. But if you draft Quentin Byfield at number two, you are beyond a shadow of a doubt getting a very usable and useful NHL player. Because if his offensive tools or his hockey IQ don't translate to 80 points a year, with his tools, there is no way that at worst, he's not a very good two-way third-line center. Like That is his floor. The fact that he's a good skater is what really encourages me about him. Because if he had all those tools but was an average skater, I would have a lot of like very realistic fears about him. But the fact that he's all of this and a good skater as well, you're like, okay, no, the the cards are stacked for him. Like the odds are in his favor a little bit here. So um, he's going to be subject to a lot of drum up about whatever minutia that people can blow up to hold against him as typically happens with picks one and two and even three. Um, but I'm still not, I think Byfield on this list and in my mind is a clear number two. Yeah. Stutzla or Raymond or Drysdale is going to have to do something absolutely otherworldly the rest of the season to bump Byfield out of number two. Well, speaking of Stutzla, he was ranked as low as like eight on other lists, 10 even, and he Mm. is now third on both Pronman's and McKenzie's lists. Which is notable. Yes. It's very, very notable. Notable thing about Stutza, and and Red Wings fans will have heard this before, uh, playing in Mannheim in Germany, which is a professional league against other men, so check, same thing as Moritz Seider, uh, and performing really well against men, which is a huge thing because this guy is showing – he's basically – when you play in a professional league against grown men, against experienced professional hockey players, you are able to to give scouts a lens into your future that players in the OHL can't give. Players in, in the NCAA, or not the NCAA, um, the uh, USNTDP, I always forget the, the initials. USHL. Is that what they change it to? No, that's where the USNTD plays most of their games is in the yeah. USHL. Like the when you play overseas in Europe, like Austin Matthews did in Switzerland, like you have that advantage of showing off how you compete against men, even when you're still 17, 18, 19 years old. So that's, I think, why Stutzla's moved up so much. Huge thing for Stutzla, initially listed as a left winger. The guy can do everything and he does it well and he has a speed and he has the, the uh, vision and he has the hockey IQ and his off the puck play is is really catching some attention. So it's 
suggested by both McKenzie and Pronman and across the uh, prospect world that teams are going to draft him and they're going to draft him as a center. So not necessarily a left winger. So there's two opportunities for centermen after Alexi Lafreniere to be had here, which is important. And I think that does bump Stutzla up to third. I think that's probably where we're going to see him land by the time the draft comes around. And out of all the picks that Detroit statistically could get, that's the least likely of them. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Is it? Yep. Oh, wow. Fourth overall is the most likely, then one, two, three in that order. Well, regardless... The, I like how we can talk about this uncertainties, knowing there's absolutely no reality in which Detroit doesn't finish dead last. Oh. I'm I'm actually appreciative of that all the way in January that we don't have to play this hypothetical game anymore. We're oh, just doing one it's set so of odds. Better. So much better. And then we don't have to do the whole tank argument. I say the word we tank. We could literally just do this entire podcast and then on the last episode just settle a top on like our top four rankings and it's all that matters. That's it. We just have to go through four. That's it. <laughs> Now, the Red Wings probably, like, assuming they pick four, will have a really good shot at having a center there. Like, that's just the way it's going to shake out, which is good. Now, number four on McKenzie's list, uh, but not Pronman's, is Jamie Drysdale, which is, uh, he, for me, is like, this kid has a chance to be, like, is this another situation where someone drafts Kale McCarr and then you're like, I wish I was the one to draft him. It just didn't shake out that way. Oh, very much so. I do not think Drysdale has McCarr upside. No? I I just, I don't. I think he has very high upside. Um, Not rookie of the year potential. Uh, Iceman? No, not there with Drysdale yet. He's up there. He's up there. He's not far behind them. I have... Right now, Drysdale in that Bowen Byram tier. And would, as coincidence would have it, Byram went fourth overall last year. So on brand. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, Detroit might draft Drysdale, but again, if you want to look at organizational need, it's not Drysdale. It's they need the forwards more, which is beneficial because Drysdale's like what the only one, uh, the only defenseman in the top nine in either of the rankings. So yeah, but don't you take your the best player available instead of organizational need? Do you? And and here's where we're splitting the minutia. Do you really think there's a big enough gap between Stutzla, Raymond, Holtz, Drysdale, no. Rossi? No, there isn't. Yeah, you no, can ab- this is this draft right now. You can absolutely draft for a position because I have a hard time super separating any of these guys again i've got my tears in my head and i've got right now a pretty clear-cut three four tier in my head drysdale isn't in it but he's right on the cusp of it so yeah i, I wouldn't but i can absolutely see the argument for it and man could you imagine heronic cider drysdale on the right oh. side of the red wings defense they'd flip one of them to the left side for sure well they've already been trying heronic at it i yeah. like i legitimately wonder like no bs Let's try Heronic on the left side because now all of a sudden, if you're top four for the next 10 years is Drysdale, Sider, Heronic, Chalosky, that ain't bad. No, it's not bad. That's real good. I'm going to read the rest of both lists through the top 10 and we'll chat a little bit more. So McKenzie finishes with five Lucas Raymond, six Alexander Holtz, seven Marco Rossi, eight Cole Perfetti, nine Jake Sanderson of the USHL and 10 Yaroslav Askarov, the goalie out of St. Petersburg in the MHL. Uh, Promen finishes with Marco Rossi four, Askarov as high as five, Alexander Holt six, Lucas Raymond seventh, Jamie Drysdale eighth, nine Cole Perfetti and 10 Connor Zeri out of Kamloops out West. So the jumbling of those two gives you an idea why 
the top 10 of this draft is so good. Yeah. There's a lot of the high, high end. Lucas Raymond at seven is insane to me. But then I look at the six guys ahead of him and go, uh, yeah, I can see it. <laughs> He's ho- super high on Rossi. And, and Rossi is another classic tale of uh, an undersized guy who's who's putting up damn near identical stats to Alexi Lafreniere this year. Yes. So, And they're both overagers playing, uh, like late birthdays playing in the CHL right now. Rossi, arguably in the more difficult league, but arguing can be made on a much better team. So, yeah, Rossi at four. I was going to say. Not crazy. And if, a centerman at that. If if the top three goes Lafreniere, Byfield, Stutzla, I could definitely see at that point, like it's between Raymond, Drysdale, and Rossi for me. With Raymond and Rossi. Getting, yeah, I think that would be my. Yeah, that would round out my top six. Because like you said, you don't you draft best player available. But when you're talking about a bunch of people in the same tier of any one of these guys could end up being a star and like you can't be blamed for taking one or the other, then yeah, you take the centerman if you can. Um, and Rossi's small, but one of the big um, praises he gets from scouts is that he doesn't play small. No, he plays with like ferocity. Yeah. So ferocity. That, There's something in there for me. I, ferocity. Yeah. Well, ferocity. If we draft him, that's what we're going to, that's what the is going to be. Polo. <laughs> <laughs> Were you expecting more than that, Brad? No. Nope. Come on. You've, I've been friends with you for all these years and you're expecting more than that for me. Hey, five years and it'll be, or in a couple, like a month, it'll be five years of us being friends. Oh God. Half a decade of being friends. Gross. Gross. I think we legally are married now. <laughs> what kind of tax benefits do we get? Yeah. Well, not many. I can tell you that straight up. <laughs> Yeah, so these lists are uh, a good window, or Mackenzie's list is a good window into uh, what teams are thinking. And he gets, like Brad mentioned, uh, he gets a lot of heat for that, and everyone's always surprised. And then the draft day always kind of end, kind of ends up shaking out how he puts his lists out. So they're a good barometer for for what the teams are thinking. Uh, the perfect example here being Jake Sanderson, because almost every media or whatever you want to call it, writer's list I've seen. Jake Sanderson, I don't think, is above like 16 on any of them. No, but he's I, top 10 uh, on the NHL scouts list. Uh, this could be another case of positional reach. Teams are overvaluing players because X position is weak in this draft, so on and so forth. Uh, again, it's a draft. We don't know anything. This is all paraphrased. It's a guessing game. But teams, scouts know better than us, right? Yeah. Anybody smart enough to to put together these lists is already hired by a team. It's not the case, but in general, like we can't sit here and say we know better or, you know, writers know better than the teams. But at the same time, it's all it's all a toss up. It's all the best guesses. On that note, let's run a tankathon. Three, two, one. Whoa, what a nightmare. <laughs> oh, I can't see your screen this time. And do I want to know? Ottawa first. Lafreniere. Quentin Byfield goes to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, no. Third, Detroit. Fourth, hey. Play. Yeah, so Tim Stutzler for Detroit. Or Lucas Raymond. Or Lucas Raymond. Or Jamie Drysdale or Marco Rossi. Um, or Yaroslav Askarov. Team Chaos. So right now, San Jose is trending downwards because uh, Tomas Hurdle is out for the season with a destroyed knee. Um, so Ottawa, who owns their pick, I saw people surprised that the San Jose picks unprotected. It's unprotected. There's like Ottawa gets that pick this year. Ottawa has an eight and a half percent chance of first overall. San Jose has a seven and a half percent chance. 
So oh, that, also their odds are technically worse than Detroit still. Yeah. So yes. they have 16 and Detroit still has an 18 and a half percent chance of first overall. So, um, I know the fans of Ottawa deserve better than, you know, everything they've been given, just trading away some of the best players in the league and Eugene Melnick tanking the downtown arena, which they so sorely need, et cetera, et cetera. But I cannot cheer for an Atlantic foe getting Alexi Lafreniere over the Red Wings. Like that to me is literally worst case Ontario. That's not great. Although I am proud of that joke because you rolled your eyes. Um, speaking of Canadian provinces, the Battle of Alberta. Well, first round happened last night. It was the first time since earlier in the year that Matthew Kachuk and um, Zach Cassian went at it. Um, we saw a couple of fights. It was a great game to watch. Wasn't the national game. It wasn't the game on NBC. So what the hell NHL and NBC? Do you hate I didn't promoting well, the game? Well, Calgary and Edmonton, neither of those are in Pittsburgh or Washington or Chicago. It was an They showed a Los Angeles Kings game. Los Angeles Kings against I don't who cares I don't know someone that didn't like the was it Pittsburgh Washington or Chicago uh I will look because it was Pittsburgh Washington or Chicago I will actually fall off this chair laughing it was LA versus the lightning Uh, okay I could see that come on but everyone's been talking about the battle of Alberta yeah but they had this schedule set since like what September August they can flex it the NFL does it all the time Come on, like the NHL's not progressive. <laughs> Whoa, when you're not as progressive of a league as the NFL, you have some stuff to work on. And yet here we are. Um, great game. It was a blast to watch. Sean Monahan and Ryan Nugent Hopkins threw down, which was in a great fight. That kind of came out of nowhere, didn't it? It did, yeah. Uh, Matthew Kachuk uh, tried to go at, like, tried to pick the fight with Cassian early. Cassian just skated past. And then in the second period, was no, it? No, it was still in the first period. End of the first period. They uh, went at it in the, uh, well, the, I was going to say the offense over the defensive zone, but that doesn't make sense. Uh, they went at, at it off the draw. And just, it was, you know, stage fight or whatever you want to call it. A lot of people were mad at the stage fight into USA. How are you surprised? Um, the tilt went about as how you would expect it to. Cassian was way bigger. And Matthew Kachuk, I think, did okay for himself. And Cassian won the fight. Everyone says Cassian stopped when Kachuk went down. He didn't. He definitely threw a couple punches. But it's it's like par for course. You see that a lot in the NHL. He did hold up eventually. Um, and then apparently Cassian afterwards said, uh, thanks for doing that kid. Like, yeah, you can, you can almost see it. Like he kind of like was nodding at him. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, we're good. But then Cassian's case past the bench and Zach Ronaldo standing there pointing at himself. I got next. I got next. I mean, yeah. You know what? Yeah, fine. Whatever. Like if you want the battle of Alberta, this is how you, you pick it back up. You have guys like Monaghan and Nuge going at it. You have guys like Ronaldo stepping up for guys like Kachuk. You have guys like Kachuk who are still trying to throw the same hits that started this whole thing. You have captain trying to explode other captain. Oh, hey, it didn't like that. Yeah. Was, we just saw everything that happened to Connor McDavid's knee. And then for Giordano to do that, I was like, come on. That's not. Wasn't it Giordano who tripped him and put him into the post that caused that too? Uh, yeah, but was that intentional? No, it absolutely yeah. wasn't intentional, but still, what are the odds? Yeah, no. Poor, look, you might not like Connor McDavid or the Edmonton Oilers, but if you like hockey, you have to hope that Connor McDavid stays as healthy as possible for his whole career. It's good for hockey. Same thing with Crosby. Like, you might not like Crosby, but you have to always wonder how much more he could have done for the sport if he didn't miss, like, a prime year plus with injuries way back when. So, 
no, I was happy that Connor McDavid got away without uh, serious injury there. He was pissed. Oh, yeah. He was lit up. Um, really fun game to watch. Uh, Riddick throwing his stitch. After the winning save in the shootout. Yeah, that was awesome. Love it. Yeah. Big save, Dave. If you don't like uh, bat tot or bat flips or goalie stick flips, you hate fun. You know the best way to prevent them? Don't or score on them yes. or don't let a guy hit a homer off you. Yeah. Bat flip all day. Be better than them. Um, there are like a lot of people hate it too. And that's fine. Like I know every time we see it, we kind of go back and forth, but, um, no, I loved it. I thought it was a lot of fun and I'm excited. Saturday's the next one. So that'll be a good game to pick up as well. I'm for it. The, the NHL needs more in season rivalries. It can't only be in the playoffs. And these are two teams kind of in, in similar spots. They're both kind of fighting. They should be better than they are. They're, they both have a ton of talent on their team. It's not like one of them's like a nobody, like the Red Wings or the Kings right now. So, yeah, it was a blast to watch. And right. unfortunately, it wasn't nationally broadcast by NBC. So, wonder what we could be doing better for the NHL, you know? Thank, thank the North. We live in Canada. Yeah, for and real. We got to watch it. Um, what else about? Oh, Zach Cassian. He got his contract. That's right. Yeah. Uh, this situation we're so unfamiliar with. Yeah. Zach Cassian played a couple of years with Connor McDavid, um, essentially doubled his typical scoring output and then was awarded with a four year, $3.2 million per year contract, something like that. Is that contract the end of the world? No. Um, yeah, that's what we said about Darren Helm. It's if you want to know what death by how you get to death by a thousand cuts, which is what the red wings are bleeding of right now. Um, this is how it starts. If you have a guy like Connor McDavid who can make Zach Cassian a 20 goal scorer or, or, you know, on pace to be a 20 goal scorer, you don't then pay that guy considerable money, not a ton. Like it's definitely a low percentage of cap hit, but considerable money for four years. So that has term when you could just recycle, do the Pittsburgh Penguins model where you just recycle guys from the the bargain bin or from the miners or whatever it is, because McDavid can can boost all of them as well and dry cycle as well. Like you have these two premier elite centers or elite forwards, don't start paying the wingers who are going to benefit from them, whether it's Zach Cassian or Brad Crisco. Don't start giving them money. I don't know. It's not as bad as Ablocator's eight by you know four. What's his four and a half? Yeah. That it's better. It's like he, Ken Holland is showing improvement, but it's definitely still the same thing. And then the the comments he was making when people were asking him about it were so like reminiscent of his Red Wing days, where he was like, "Well, you have to sign these guys at some point, and uh, you know, it's a risk for the team, but it's also a risk for the player." I'm like, I don't think this is a risk for Zach Cassian. His career was on the brink, and then it was revived by Connor McDavid, and now he has. It has essentially doubled his earnings up to this point. Like he made like 13 million or 12 million up until this point. He just matched that with one four year deal. He's 29 years old. Like it's his decline is going to start soon. Sure, Connor McDavid is going to be able to prop him up for longer, but at some point, you're going to get an emergent right winger who's going to take Zach Cassian's spot. And then you're going to have a guy with term and money on your fourth line, which is just Detroit 2.0. You want to uh, tell me if this sounds familiar to all? Here are Zach Cassian's uh, NHL seasons, uh, games and goals since he last played an AHL game. 36 games, three goals. 79 games, seven goals. 74 games, 
seven goals. Last season, 79 games, so he's apparently pretty healthy. That's a plus. 15 goals. This season, 44 games, 13 goals. So is this season at age 29 the outlier or the norm? Because at least Abdulkader had two 20-goal seasons under his belt before we opened up our wallet. Zach Cassian, to this point in his career, his career high in goals is 15. Oh, Edmonton, Edmonton, Edmonton. If you wanted something different, this is... And his career high in points, total points, is 28. He set that this season. So before this year, he never eclipsed 26. And he just got money and term. Nobody's, not everybody's going to find Jake Gensels in your system. Not everyone's going to find, you know, Connor Sherry or, or Sherry, I think he goes by now. Like, that's not always going to happen. You're not always going to be able to do what Pittsburgh does, but you at least have to emulate that model, what Pittsburgh and Chicago did. Keep your superstars, pay them whatever they need to be paid to retain them, and then find guys who will take less to have similar output as, you know, middle class or middle tier NHL players. Eventually, Sometimes you're going to have to trade away Panarin, and that happens. I don't love that trade. I still think, obviously, that was not the best move, but when you're in a cap bind. But you're not going to be able to make the optimal team every time. And just because you don't have an optimal player, that does not mean you have to pay Zach Cassian as if he's a first-line winger. That's not first-line winger money. I will backpedal. It's this, like, this contract, again, objectively, is not the end of the world. But if this is what every contract is going to be, and Ken Holland just you know rehashes his Red Wing days... Edmonton's just in for some continued hurt. Yeah, this is uh this isn't breaking Edmonton. This is step one. Who who is the first contract like this for Detroit when we all kind of sat back and went, Yeah, it's not that bad. Was it Darren Helm? Uh no. Where, when it was signed, we're like, Yeah, it's not great, but that's not bad. And then a couple of years into it, we're like, oh no, what has happened? Who are all these people? How do we? I can't remember the order. It was Helm to Kaiser and Ablocator, and we had arguments for and against all of them because it wasn't the end of the world yet. Yeah. Um, it's like you're throwing a house party and you invite your one buddy that you kind of know, but he's not like you're not super close with him, but you're pretty sure he's a good guy, but he's had his moments. And then he shows up and it's like, okay, this isn't that bad. He's behaving himself. But then he brings three of his buddies and it's like, okay, this is really bad. How do I get them out of my house? And you realize it's four of them, one of you, and you can't. Yeah. This is kind of what it's like. This is that buddy that came over. <laughs> Look, this is going to be a situation where Zach Cassian or uh, sorry, Edmonton has what Pittsburgh had, which was Crosby and Malkin. And Edmonton now has McDavid and Dreisaitl, which who are two of the best players in the world. And so you look at that and you're like, you actually don't have to be perfect. You just have to be sufficient to try and win with that those two players because they will push you over the edge. You can't find those players anywhere else, and that's an advantage they have. That's why at the beginning of this season, I said, I'm just going to stop betting against Pittsburgh. No matter how many boneheaded moves I think their GM makes, if you have Crosby and Malkin, you have a shot. Same thing for Edmonton is going to start happening. They will eventually see some success because of those two, but I just can't help but think how much – uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't see this as helping that process. I think this would be if if and when they win something, it'll be wow, we won despite this, you know, bad contract or this crappy contract. Regardless, um, with that, do we have anything else before we before we want to move over to overtime? No. Yeah. No. 
All right, we'll head over to overtime uh, where we're going to read out uh, some midweek episodes. We're going to read out uh, only our Patreon comments, uh, our supporters. Thank you guys for making this show happen. Um, we're going to start with Josh Terrell. It says, hey, Dub Dub, was curious your guys' thought, thoughts on Sider's long-term offensive potential. Do you see him as a shutdown defense slash assist type or someone that can pot 10 to 15 goals a year as well? Love the pod. Thanks as always. I think he could get to be a 10 to 15 goal scorer the tools are there don't know if i would bet on it but he could i say i think likelihood of what he'll turn out to be is in order of how josh listed it shut down defenseman assist slash playmaker and then someone who can net 10 to 15 goals those are all within the realm of possibility and i think he listed them in order of likelihood matt cheney says howdy dub dub seems like a quite a lot of people are disappointed by the potential seattle's nhl team name being the seattle kraken i quite like the name it's something different and i think it has the potential for some nice traditions squid throwing versus octopus throwing competitions coming to a seattle versus detroit game near you nhl needs some more green jerseys and i expect that to be seattle's main color what three color combination would you like to see Seattle use in their jerseys? And just for fun, what's your favorite non-Detroit Red Wings color scheme for team uniforms? Thanks for the great content as always. Okay, so what Seattle should be is green, blue, and white. Yeah. Uh, best color scheme outside of Detroit. It's uh, a tough one. Green, blue, and white, maybe the old Whalers. Uh, I'm a big sucker for the North Stars, green, yellow, black, and white. Uh, Vegas's unique mix of black, gray, gold, gold red, black. Yeah, gray. love it. Uh, shout out to the updated Re- Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, any, I'm always a sucker for red, white, and blue. Always works so good. So the Rangers, the Canadians, uh, even to an extent Columbus, although they're a bit more navy than I would go with that color scheme. But still, love uh, it. The red, white, and blue of the Winnipeg Jets retro uniforms yep. is that that shade of blue is amazing. Love that. Harun Khan says, hey, guys, so great to see Leafland in panic mode earlier. And also, I find it kind of funny that Daly went to Eisman and said he doesn't want to stay. And I keep picturing Eisman with a disgusted look on his face thinking, I don't want you here anyways. Also, do you think we'll see all of our first rounders currently in Grand Rapids play together this year in Detroit? At the same time, I would not no. bet on it. Uh, we should play the last couple of games with all the young guys and bench Abdulkader Helm Nielsen and the likes for Grand Rapid prospects. Yep, but it won't happen. Anyways, thanks, guys. And let's go Red Wings. Arjun Shanker says, here's my hot take. I think that the chemistry of Stutzla playing with Cider is as valuable as a second round pick. Um, huh? It's forward defense chemistry. I don't know if that like that's worth. Yeah, they'll be on the ice like at best half the time together. I think it's like good to have two German guys together. Like you always love or guys from overseas always love when they have uh, fellow countrymen with them. And I think that's worth it. Uh, Sean Levine says, if Prashant has alcohol recommendations, can the cheese bags give their cheese recommendations? Oh, I'm in for some cheese recommendations. Yeah, I'm not a big cheese guy. What's wrong with you? I, I don't dislike it. I like cheese, but I don't. I couldn't tell you more than like five types of it. Snow don't. If you like a cheese that has a little bit of kick to it, Snowdonia has a bacon or has a smoked cheddar that tastes exactly, exactly like bacon, and it has no bacon grease or anything in it. It tastes exactly like bacon. It's one of my favorite cheeses. I would just make bacon then. Nick says, hey, Dub Dub, it's been a long season already and there's still 30 plus left. Please make a stop. Everyone will probably hate this question, but it popped into my head the other day and Eisenman is so unpredictable that now I can't stop thinking about it. Disclaimer, I do not condone the following. Oh, this will be interesting. He says, let's say that Eisenman's vision for the rebuild is longer and more extensive than any of us could have anticipated. 
Let's say he's going to go with the truly scorched earth ground up rebuild. Let's consider those seemingly impossible. What would be the minimum return that you'd accept for Dylan Larkin? Oh, man. well, minimum return. I always hate answering these questions without like a specific team because it's it's so hypothetical because it involves first round picks and what are their first round picks worth yeah exactly like montreal's first round pick does not equal pittsburgh's first round pick right um just hypothetically picking two teams that could in theory have some use and interest in larkin so like if you're looking at montreal two first round picks and nick suzuki or something like that because it would it would have to be mega high like a super high ask. That's what my ask would be. A, a team who has a chance to be a lottery team both seasons, two first-round picks, and a good prospect. I think two firsts and a Romanov would be too much. But at the same time, like... You're not trading Larkin without getting an absolutely extensive haul. Or you're getting back a premium piece in a... I would say to center is Detroit's biggest position of need. But let's say defense was their biggest position of need. You just look around the league and find a team that's got a a need for that. Let's say Colorado's looking for some depth at center. So they're like, okay, Bowen Byram. Let, let, what can we do there? That would be where it starts. That's That would be where it starts. It uh, wouldn't have to go a lot further, mind you. But Yeah, no, because Byram's going to be a, likely a top two defenseman. But that would be kind of the other scenario you're looking at. But um, the reason why it won't happen is Detroit's current biggest position of need is center because you could argue that Larkin's the only NHL caliber one they have. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Philpola, but uh, he's an NHL caliber, but like realistically on a contender, he's fourth line. Um, yeah, so I don't see reality in which it happens because you need to at least have someone taking the faceoffs. Just your average Tej says, what it do, dub dubs. So recently I've seen Wings Twitter in a let's buy out Franz and or Abby mood for the sake of roster spot slash development. What are your takes on this? To make you feel better, if my buddy was the GM of the Blues, I would have got a first rounder for Abby because he thought he was averaging 20 goals a season and thought he was still doing well, I wish. Anyways, uh, Ferk, we got to get Terry back. Stay fresh cheese bags. Um, You do not buy out either of them. Okay. Buyouts only make sense. Okay, I cannot stress this enough. Buyouts only make sense if you need the cap room and are a contender. Detroit doesn't need cap room. Detroit is not going to be a contender in all likelihood before either of those contracts expire. If you want the roster spots, all you do is send them to the miners. You don't get any cap relief, but guess what? You don't, they don't need cap relief. So who cares? You do not buy them out. Look at that. You made because you just double the term. Yeah, you get less of a cap, but you double the length. Do we want to be dealing with eight more years of Abdulkader's contract? No, we don't. Liz B says, Oh man, how nice is it to see Ken Holland, uh, a Ken Holland special contract given out and it's not to a player on the Red Wings. I've seen the Pirates of the Caribbean movies enough to say with confidence that a Kraken is more like a big ass squid. So no copying the Red Wings tradition, Seattle. Terry's going to hate the Seattle team. The producer of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies is part of the ownership group. Can't be mixing hockey and movies to have Terry as a fan. Man, that is such an interconnected comment. I love it. Okay. Here's my bold idea, and this will immediately make Seattle my favorite Western Conference team if it happens, okay? Kraken is the team name, and their mascot 
is just Johnny Depp dressed up as Jack Sparrow. It's better than the crackhead, which is a lot of what a lot of people have been suggesting. I've seen the arena be referred to as the crack house. And yeah. I need to let everybody know if you keep making these jokes, it won't happen. Yeah, Stop be cool. It. Be cool, please. Austin Trotman says, Hey guys, I'm going to the game on Saturday. Which jersey should I wear? Hockey fights cancer, Mantha, Winter Classic Lidstrom, or Centennial Larkin? Ooh. Um, I'm gonna go Centennial Larkin just for a player who's gonna be playing. I think that's yeah, yeah, that's the right call. Darup says, "Gentlemen, and I use that term loosely. I posted this to the Wings Reddit, but I would like to hear your thoughts on it. Would you trade number one overall under the following assumptions? The Wings win the number one overall pick. Ottawa moves up with the San Jose pick to number three. Would you trade number one to Ottawa for picks three and Ottawa's other first, either five or six? Uh, one for three and five. So let's say in theory, Stutzla and Drysdale, Drysdale. Raymond, Rossi. Oh, I think I might. And you, I you love, might have to. Yeah, that's too much because you could legitimately, if you go two forwards, if you go Stutzla and Raymond there, mm-hmm. that could be two thirds of your top line. Neither of them will have the impact. Lafreniere will, and it might not likely be that close. But if you can fill out two-thirds of your top line with one draft, you, you kind of have to because, God forbid, we have Lafreniere, Larkin, and then Abdelkader or some garbage like that. Uh, Andrew Schwieman, Schwieman says, hey, boys, I'm pretty sure this was mentioned on a previous episode, but the talent cap, the talent gap is not that big in the NHL. Yes, the Wings are clearly the worst team in the league right now, but I don't think this means we have a giant collection of bad players. More of an accumulation of the small things, passes a little off, shot that could have been saved, unforced turnover, etc. Unlike a late night beer league, any little mistake in the NHL is going to be magnified. The good teams make you pay for these little mistakes, and it is very difficult for the bad teams to overcome them. Anyways, keep up the great work. The podcast and the Dub Dub Army are the lone bright spot of this season. I love that Steve has the uh, Dangle Navy and we have the Dub Dub Army. <laughs> I'm going to go to war soon. Um well, the thing is, though, yeah, it's just passes being a little off and all that. But do you know what makes those passes go a little off and like these little mistakes happen? Bad hockey players. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. It's it's really, the Red Wings. If you actually look right now, you can figure out pretty not that any of us don't know why the Red Wings suck. You look at the uh, we know all the raw numbers from the team. But if you look at the underlying numbers of the Red Wings top like three, four forwards. They're really, really, really good. Like top 10 to top 15 in the league. Like legitimately great players. The bottom end of Detroit's roster is so far behind the rest of the league. It's a di- They're a distant 31st. Like their bottom six forwards almost in... T- you can make an argument. If you took <laughs> the entire... Every single player in the wing's bottom six right now... And Brad's put excited. Up, and put him on Tampa Bay. I don't think a single one of them makes the team. Like legitimately. <laughs> Shay says, hey, fellas, even though it's been an unbearable season, I'm not feeling the long layover between the Wings games. Guess that bad hockey is still hockey, right? I'm with you. Uh, I've seen a couple of names pop up in articles regarding possible trade chips. Wondering what your thoughts are on them. One being Robbie Fabry, who was cited in the article as slipping offensively. And Darren Helm. If you're Stevie, do you try to move either of them? And what's your best case return for either? As always, keep up the great work. I'm peddling Helm hard because he's having a pretty uh, like solid season by his standards. So I think you could actually get a return on him. And you're moving a contract. Uh, Fabry, I still don't think would get a big return enough to the point where it would justify it. I think Fabry doesn't have the body of work to get a good enough return. I think he's young. I think he can be had for cheap. 
And we've seen that he has not reached his ceiling yet. So if you try to lock that guy down and then you come out of this rebuild with a pretty good middle six winger like Robbie Fabry, that's a kind of guy. That's one of the few players that the Red Wings have acquired since they've started to suck that I want to see on the other side of the rebuild. Again, not untouchable, but I wouldn't be actively trying to move him unless the team's going to overpay. I would be actively trying to move Darren Helm. Uh, on that note, Rowan says, good day, dud duds. As you may have seen, I had my annual nice interaction with Brad on the Twitter machine, but didn't receive a prize or a DM of how to receive my prize. Is that because Ryan blocked me? Unblock me, Ryan. It's not funny anymore. <laughs> uh, Rowan convinces a lot of people that a lot of people have blocked him. Uh, at the time of writing this, the Red Wings are only 31 points out of the final wildcard spot. If the Wings can win, say, 35 of their last 31 games, maybe they'll sneak into the playoffs. Winning 40 probably locks them in. So are we going to Seattle's first game with the Wings at the Crack Den? Ooh, that might be worth a trip to Seattle. Jersey time. Three best non-Red Wings home jerseys in the league. Go. Home oh. jerseys? Non-Red Wings? Yes. Currently in the league, so I guess we can't go with alternates or anything like that, which is a... Home jerseys. Home uh, jerseys. Okay. okay. I'm going to say not... Okay, so non-Red Wings. I Pittsburgh's black homes. Uh, their whites are better, but I'm going to say Pittsburgh black. No, not with you there. Um, what else do we have here? Vegas in the conversation. Don't know. I Vegas's whites are better. Vegas's whites would be in the top three, hands down, no question. Vegas's whites and Pittsburgh whites are really like those away jerseys are so good in my mind. Is Calgary are they on their retro jerseys as their full time homes yet I or no? Don't think so. Ugh. Uh, Maybe the Rangers. It might have to be the Rangers here. No, you didn't put them in the elite tier. You don't get to do that. We switched after. <laughs> Who do you have? Um, the two that immediately come to my the front of my mind, uh, going with my red, white, and blue bias, how much I like that color scheme, Montreal and the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Those are two classics, perfect jerseys. Love them. I'm kind of running through the rest of the league in my head trying to figure out in my mind the, chicago vegas and pittsburgh is who i chicago's have. there vegas is there um trying to I, I know there's at least one team like that i'm just forgetting when buffalo gets their new jerseys next year the royal the royal blues right? yeah they'll be, be there. they'll be back in the conversation uh i think i'm gonna, i think i'm gonna just go with the boring one and stick with vegas here garrett tv says hockey amigos during the blake the break, a lot of Red Wings fans online have noted that they don't often see other NHL games, but in the last few days have realized how much better and faster most teams are than Detroit. So perhaps a quick game in this regard. If you could take each of the following traits from each from different NHL teams and apply them to the Wings, which teams could you would you select them from? All right, we'll do this as they go. Team speed. Huh? Like uh, what team would you want to apply their speed, their quickness to the Red Wings? So what's one of the quickest teams in the league? Like in terms of how they play or just players? Uh, either. Oh, the man. Lightning play fast. The Lightning play fast. Yeah. Uh, Toronto. It's hard. Like I think everyone, every team is. Every good. team's got some. Even the Red Wings, would you could argue, if you're just looking at like some of the players between Athens, CU, Helm, and Larkin are, are air quotations fast, even though they're not. Well, those three are. The rest of the team's just hilariously slow. Uh, I don't know. I like the way Tampa plays. They play really fast tempo. Teams, I like it. Team skill, Toronto. Yeah. Uh, team organization on ice. Oh, in terms of like just how well prepared. Oh, that's St. Louis. Oh, that's a really good answer. That's St. yeah. St. Louis they got. They're running. A good, that's a system that where they're yeah. greater than the sum of their parts. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. 
Um, do, do, do. Remember, don't be a one-man show out there, boys. Got to get everyone involved and keep getting dirty in the corners. Let's go Red Wings. You don't tell me what to do. <laughs> Thomas Anderson says, this might cause some controversy, but I finally watched the Mantha Muzzin fight, and I see nothing wrong with it. Really, I'd like to see less of the wild swings at the head, but if the players want to fight, then it's a fight. I heard comments from people that use the term he intended to injure. Geez, what are you trying to do when you punch someone in the face? <laughs> it's a good point. <laughs> All Muzzin did was end it quickly. Personally, I feel hockey should crack down more on cheap illegal hits, such as cross-checking, because that's not a hockey play. So as long as they're not using their skates or stick, which is felonious assault, then let them finish the fight. Then maybe players will be less likely to fight when they see how they can be injured. On a different note, would you t- rather take a guaranteed number two pick or take your chances in the draft lottery? I'm taking my chances. Yeah, I take the chances. Yeah, I'm definitely. I don't think there's that big of a gap between Byfield and Stutzla and Raymond where I'm that upset from the two to four drop off. I'm like, don't get me wrong. I'm upset if I don't get it. But yeah, no, Lafreniere is worth the gamble. Yeah, you 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 very well could get the second best player in the draft at number four. It, it could happen. Hell, who knows? We've seen stranger things happen. Maybe Byfield only nine of the 10 scouts. Mackenzie surveyed had Byfield at number two, which means there is an NHL team out there right now. If they get that gets a second pick, that might not take Quentin Byfield. Also consider this. If Quentin Byfield pans out in every way, you have a huge, quick, productive, elite number one centerman. He very well could be the best player in the draft. Yeah, so. but you know who else could be an elite number one centerman? Tim Stutzler. The Niebler says, as a Red Wings fan, hockey sucks right now. As a Calgarian, hockey's really good right now. Calgary, another possible landing spot for Athanasiu. Yes, and they actually have uh, pieces that Detroit would want. Michael Barry says, ooh, would you do – hold on. Would you do Shellington for Athanasiu? No. I know we've been asked that before by uh, – Straight up, no. Yeah. I would need at least a second in there to do that. Michael Barry says, how tough would it be for trading for David Backus knowing that he would not be getting t- – that we would not be getting Tory Krug? Also, Super Bowl parties, yay or nay? Super Bowl parties, yay. Super fun. Uh, more, probably more fun when your team, your favorite team's not playing. Um, There's players or assets I would like back from Boston that aren't Tory Krug that would be worth taking on back as his contract. Although, how much does he have left on there? I think it's uh, one year after this, maybe two. Mm, that's fun. Yeah, if it's two, though, that would have to be one hell of an asset. Oh, and, for sure. And I'm actually struggling to think of an asset in Boston system that currently isn't on the Bruins that I would do that for. Would you take Bacchus in the 2021st? Oh, first round pick? Yeah. God, yeah, yeah. That might be what they have to do. Yeah, because I'm not. I don't think their prospect pool is good at all. So one more season after Johnny this. Beecher. One more season Maybe. after this. That's it. Oh yeah, yeah, Hell yeah. Would you take Bacchus in a second? Yeah, probably. For, for only one more year, I would take Bacchus in just about anything of decent value because that's Detroit won't need the cap space next year. Sean Chevarella says, "Hey guys, well, it looks like the Sens might end up with the best chance of getting first overall." If this is the scenario, it's not the end of the world. We can always trade for Lafreniere when Melnick refuses to pay for him after his ELC. In other prospect news, seems like Raymond is falling in the prospect rankings and Rossi seems to be rising. Is Rossi a guy who might who may have been overlooked due to his size? And is he a risky pick taking him when we draft fourth? Yes to all. Yeah, yes and yes. Um, Rossi is a guy to look at. Like we mentioned, if the top three goes as top three are ranked right now, I would look at Rossi. I would look at Raymond and... At that the, uh, right now, Drysdale, but yeah, right we're na- far from the draft. Yeah, oh yeah, there's a long way to go. Right now, on my list, I think I still have Raymond number three and Stutzla number four, and I think they're kind of in my mind they've separated themselves from everybody behind them by a little bit. 
I think three and four could be interchangeable, but I don't think I would drop either of them to five yet. Yeah. Just just think of how often we've said, like at this point of the year, this player is going to go here for sure. Like there's no way that's yeah. going to change and how wildly it changes. Oh, yeah. No, I we if we're expecting it to go Lafreniere, Byfield, uh, Stutzla, Raymond, Drysdale, I can assure you it will not go in that order. No. And really, we have the trade deadline to be covering right now. So if you're wondering about what's next, it's not draft stuff yet. It's trade deadline stuff before we dive into the draft. Although last year we did nail the top five, just not the order. Oh, yeah. yeah. We had the top We had the top five right. We just did not get the order right. I think we had Turcotte and Doc flipped. Yes. Um, I'm very. I'm still very surprised that Turcotte fell as he did. Yeah. Although not a good World Juniors this ba- year. Yeah, and based on uh, the season he's having in Wisconsin, he's been good. But a little disappointing. Huh. Huh. And yet we have this big German mountain of a man tearing up the HL right now. It's weird how this happens and why for as invested as we get in the draft and I will continue to get in the draft. You guys don't need to Uh remember, just enjoy it, guys. You're getting a good player. Let us have the mental breakdowns that that's exactly how to do it. Um, I really, 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 really am scared that Moritz Sider is going to be called up when we go to Grand Rapids and he's going to be sent down when we go to Detroit. I know that's happening. He will be on the... We will pass him on the on highway, the highway <laughs> as we are going, and he will be going the other way. And on that note, we're going to wrap up this uh, midweek episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. We will see you back on Sunday. We'll drop the episode before the Super Bowl so that everyone... Or sorry, the big game. I don't know if we're... Yeah, whatever. Um, superb Owl. The Superb Owl. We'd like to thank all of our name level sponsors. You guys have some holographic stickers coming your way. And if you haven't filled out... Uh, if you haven't checked your Patreon messages, please do. Um, Arjun Shanker, Ryan's Favorite Bastard, Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Kayla Thompson, Mitchell Shinkowski... Aaron Taylor, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Mike Reed, Ryan Lewis, Langabeer, Clayton Van Dyken, Kalen Wood, Hassam Alkasem, Arjun Shanker. Again, I read your name twice, you lucky bastard. Uh, Charlie Elkins, Hannah Lee, Sean Levine, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Craig Kibble, Rob Thiel, Simon Anderson, John Evans, Kwaz, and Stan Olson. Thank you all so much. And we will see you before the big game. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.